Romans 15, 13. Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate with hope. Amen. I was uh, walking around here just praying, spending some time with God. And um, I'll say this. My prayer life this year for the last 12 months has totally changed. And by that, I mean this. I probably talk about 20, if I had to guess, about 25% of the time that I'm in prayer. 75% of the time I'm just listening. Just spending time with God's presence. And I tell you what, it's, it's really changed me. It's changed me. A lot, to be honest with you, a lot of time I, you know, I don't want you to think, oh, wow, yeah, you're hearing voices when you're walking around here. No, don't hear much of anything. Well, I'm playing worship music, you know. But uh, I just really sense God just walking with me, just being with me. And um, so it's just really changed my life uh, this past year. And um, we've been, I've talked about supernatural miracles and that we're believing God for that. We're believing for the goodness of God to be manifested, right, here in this place. Having said that, I want to make sure as a church family we're not chasing that. Did you hear me? Because if you're chasing miracles and chasing the supernatural, you'll get flaky. If you don't know what that means, that's probably a good thing. But if you've been in church long enough, you, you know what flaky means. But um, this is the reason, because we're never taught in the Word of God to chase after miracles. We're taught to know Him. That's the number one thing. If you're going to chase anything, you know, that's what you're... Our, our main focus is to know Jesus. Matter of fact, I believe it's in John 17. It says this, this is eternal life that you may know him, that you may know him. So that's the most important thing. Matter of fact, you know, that, that scripture I told you, I'm getting really off here. Here we go. In Psalms 40, 1 through 3, that's going to be our scripture for next year. And it says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he heard my cry. He lifted me up out of a pit, out of the miry clay, set my feet upon a rock. He established my steps, put a new song in my mouth, even praise to our God many will see it and fear the Lord. The Passion Translation says many will see his miracles. I believe it does. But this is what I got when I was walking around, praying, talking to God, and that is this. That when, this is just me personally, I've been crying out more this year to know God like I, I, I've never known. To know him. And you think, you know, I was saved when I was seven years old preacher preached on hell i didn't want to burn forever so i went and gave my life to jesus first one up out of the seat in my southern baptist church and uh so i've been in church all my life all my life i mean we had sunday morning sunday night wednesday night we had revival which is you know a whole week you know they did that a couple of times a year and and uh so i spent a lot of time in church but i tell you what you can be around somebody and yet not know them you know what i mean and uh 
I just, this year, I just thought, God, I really want to know you. And when I was meditating on Psalms 40, 1 through 3, it says, I cried out to God, and he lifted me up out of the pit. I, the Lord gave me that scripture back in 1985, give or take a year or two. And uh, many of you all probably heard me say this. I probably told this story about a dozen times. I was in this deep, deep pit, and it was like um, side to side. It was square. And, but if you pushed your hand up against the side, I had this vision. If you push your hand up in the side, your hand would go all the way into your wrist and just mud. It was just mud on all four sides. And then my shins were in mud. So it was just mud. And I was in this pit. And I mean, it was like hundreds of yards. It was just so far down. And so I cried out to God. And I saw Jesus. He was about this big at the top. He was really little bitty Jesus. And... Uh, so when I cried out to him, he started sticking his hand down. And as he, his hand got closer and closer to me, it got bigger and bigger. And it, I had to scoot to the side, and it filled up the whole bottom of the pit. And so then I just stepped into the palm of his hand, and he began to lift me out. He lifted me and lifted me. And I was looking up. And as I was looking up and coming out of the pit, he was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. When I got up out of the pit, he was just humongous. And he set me over on this rock. And I woke up, and the Lord gave me the scripture, Psalms 40, 1 through 3. I had no clue what that said. This is how I know this was from God, because somebody said, what's Psalms 40? I, I don't know. I knew Psalms 23 and Psalms 91. That was about it back in 1985. So uh, I turned to Psalms 40, 1 through 3, and it says that. I waited patiently for the Lord, and I cried out unto him. He lifted me up out of the pit. Man, it just really ministered to me. Well, this week, the Lord spoke this to me. This is so awesome. He says, you've always thought that crying out was me crying out to be delivered from the pit, crying out to be healed of your sickness, to be crying out to be uh, delivered from whatever you're in, crying out for uh, God to meet your needs. He says, Mike, you know what you've been crying out? Is to know me is to know me. When you cry out to God to know him in a greater depth, you don't have to worry about being delivered, being set free, being healed, or having your needs met. Did you get that? Knowing him. Knowing him is what it's all about. Jesus you know and like I said I've been doing this I've been a pastor like forever I've done this more than I've done I've done um, four things in my life I've worked at McDonald's I was in the Air Force and I worked at FedEx and I've been a pastor or a minister and now I've done this more than I've done anything and uh, I just feel like that I have more of a passion to know him than any time in my whole entire life. And I don't want to be religious. I don't want our church to be religious. I do not want us to be religious. And if you don't know what that means, this is what this means. Uh, it means that uh, you think that what you do will accomplish or get in favor with God. 
I even, I felt like the Lord gave me this illustration this week. He says, Mike, you know, you got somebody, some people that maybe don't read their Bible very much, really don't pray that much. And then you got somebody over here that, man, they just really are reading their focus and they're seeking God and they just do a lot of that. And naturally, I believe you would agree with me, the person who knows the word and knows Jesus better is going to have more victory than this person. Would everybody agree with me on that? But this is the thing. God has made this person just as much righteous, this, just as much blessed, everything poured out upon him as this person. The thing that separates the two, if you want to say separate, is because this one doesn't know everything that Jesus has done. Faith comes by hearing. So if he doesn't know what the word says, what Jesus has done, naturally he's not going to have as much victory as the one who does. Having said that, the Lord just prompted me in my heart this week. When I, he, he gave me this illustration. I know it was him. He said, if this person thinks that because of what he has done, that his much studying and his much praying has qualified him to receive what the goodness of God has done, then he's being religious and will not be able to walk in what he knows. And he gave me this illustration. You know, everybody has a robe of righteousness. Before I put this on, how many know who is the, the worst group of people in the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that Jesus had trouble with? Pharisees, man, and the Sadducees, in particular the Pharisees. The Pharisees were so religious. They were legalistic, and they lived to the letter of the law. At least they pretended they did. To the point that Jesus... On the Sabbath, you were not supposed to do any work whatsoever. No working on the Sabbath. Jesus goes to church because the Bible says, as was his custom. Did you know it was custom? Jesus went to church. When the doors were open, he was generally in church on the Sabbath, which was Saturday for the Jewish people. But he was there on the Sabbath, and he was going to heal somebody. And so he knew what everybody was thinking. Everybody's saying, it's the Sabbath. You're not supposed to heal on the Sabbath. Can you imagine that mentality? But that's it. So Jesus heals this person, and the Pharisees, the religious people, say this. There's six days in the week that you can do that, but not on the Sabbath. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Don't heal on the Sabbath. You see how Melody says I shouldn't say that word, so thank you. In the pulpit, I mean. What he said. It, it just... Unreal. But that's why he had so much trouble with them. Because they separated their relationship with God. They separated how much God loved them. The Sabbath wasn't just some special day that God made. And this is what it was made for man. Because man was working himself to death. And he says, make the Sabbath so you can rest. And just really kind of focus on God. That's what the Old Testament, what it was for. But the Lord reminded me, he said that if a person thinks that what he does qualifies him in any way, shape, or form, he puts on the robe of a Pharisee. You say, what's so important? Well, the important, now he says, you never wear that. You make sure it's clean. I went, it's too late. Um, 
It was in my truck on the way to church. Like, what am I going to do? Stop at a laundromat? But anyway, looks okay, doesn't it? Okay, good. But this is, this is kind of comfy. If I had some popcorn and a cup of coffee, I'd be ready to go. Anyway, the Lord showed me this, that underneath this is the robe of righteousness. But when you are stepping into what God wants to do, into the unseen realities, you can't go there because you're wearing the robe of a Pharisee, which says that what Jesus has done does not qualify you. It's what I have done is what qualifies me when I'm wearing this robe. Did you get that? And this robe cannot attain anything that God has done for you and me. Nothing. So I just thought, man, there's been times that all of us, you know, the devil's subtle. He's just subtle. In life, what things that happen can be just subtle. That where we start thinking that we are maybe a little bit better than somebody because maybe, you know, of anything. The Lord just reminded me, he says, you know, Mike, I really have destined your church, listen to me, to be an example that people outside of this church will know that they're followers of Jesus because of their love for one another. So this is why I feel like the Lord wants me to drive this home. There's so many times that you may think, there's times, let me back up, there's times that I've been a pastor that I've thought that, you know, so-and-so, they, they shouldn't have left this church. And I would get a little bit, because I was hurt, I would get a little bit, you know, like, they don't measure up. There's been times, I know, I'm being real transparent, don't. Anybody throw stones, or I'll quote that scripture that Jesus said, he who's without sin, throw the first one. But anyway, there's been times that you know that when people uh, do stuff that I don't particularly like, and there's times, listen to me, that I've gotten frustrated when people don't step up and do stuff, and I feel like they should. You know what the Lord showed me this week? This week, he showed me that. He says, Mike, there's been so many times, let me back up some more, that I just get, you know, I just think, I, I measure our church by, I've got pastor friends, you know, and I think, wow, man, they've got so many volunteers, and they've got this, and they've got that. they got a full band, you know. I've been wanting a bass guitar player, and I've been wanting this. You know, and I said, you know, well, we don't have everything. So, you know, I felt like in my heart that we just don't measure. And I was just pondering that, thinking about that, while I was spending time with God. <laughs> and the Lord just so gently, so lovingly pinned my hide to the wall. You know, it's Rocky Mountain Family Church. You know, we're just lacking in this, and we're slacking in that, and, you know, just this and that. And the Lord says, well, I will tell you one thing. It's my body that you're talking about. Sometimes he just has a way to, like, oh. 
we have to be careful about how we think about people. I don't care if somebody leaves this church and in a tirade, I'm going to, with the best of my ability, to bless them with everything that's within me and to love them no matter what. We have to do that. It doesn't say, oh, the world will know you're my disciples for your love for those who are kind. I wish there was a sub part in there. Sub part A. One through five underneath the A. But he didn't. He just said the world's going to know you're followers of Jesus. Let's just say it like it is. Because you love one another. And there's times all of us in here, including your pastor, there's been times in the past I think like, Jesus, help me. You know, let's just get real. You got a picture of that person in your mind that's just, you know, you just think, if I had a shredder in my mind, <laughs> feels so much better now. <laughs> and you know what the Lord said? He says, yeah, that's my daughter's picture that you just shredded. You know, you've, we, we just, and I'm not saying this to bring condemnation. I am saying this to teach all of us this morning because this is where God wants to take us. Are you hearing me? So you're taking this in the right spirit to be teachable in this? The Lord's just, I mean, he's just working overtime maybe on me. Maybe I'm the one. Maybe everybody in here is perfect. And so praise God, I'll listen to this. But I mean, you know, it's just like one person said when I was on the mission field. Melanie and I were on the mission field. He said, uh, you know, ministry would be great if it wasn't for people. And I went, you know, there's a lot of truth in that. <laughs> but I said all of this, I didn't even get to my main point. My main point is this, that when I was doing all of this, that God just floated liquid love all over me. And he said this. He says, you don't realize it, but I'm your friend, Mike. You've sought me as God. You sought me as Savior. You sought me as healer. You sought me as provider. But you really hasn't been knowing me as a friend. I'm 61 years old. I've been saved since I was seven. And Jesus says, you've never really gotten to know me as a friend. And I felt so privileged. You know, I mean, we all probably have some kind of hero or somebody that we look up to. You think, wow, I'd get to, like to get to know them. And Jesus says, I call you my friend. I call you my friend. This is what it says in James chapter 2, verse 23. And so the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed, adhered to, trusted, and relied on God. And this was accounted to him as righteousness, as conformity to God's will and thought and deed. And he was called, he was called God's friend. He was called God's friend. Why? Because he stepped into a covenant where Abraham believed what God said about him. Not only about his present, but even about his future. And because of that, God said, 
I call you my friend. When I was praying this week, the Lord wants me to let you know that he calls you friend. He calls you friend. I've had great friendships. Sandra Holderness, you know, she passed away. She told me years ago, I never forgot this. She says, it's been proven, you know, more than likely that you'll never have more than five or less friends for a lifetime. And I thought, First of all, that sounds depressing. And then you stop and think about it. I've had friends that when they move away or something happens that we just float apart. And I've realized that it does take some effort. Have you noticed that? It takes effort for, for friends, you know. I've everybody in this church, I've known Ron Waller as a friend in Pueblo more than anybody. I think we've been, he started coming to this church about six weeks or a few weeks or maybe I don't know how long. Then he moved over to the Western Slope. That about destroyed our relationship because he, I promised him that I would come and see him and I never did. And he's reminded me of that several times since then. Like all the time. But anyway, it, it's taken effort to, for that friendship. And, uh, and it does, but God is always doing his part, being your friend, being your friend. Let me read one more. I got carried away. John 15, verse 13 says this. No one has greater love. No one has shown stronger affection. Listen to these words. Has shown stronger affection than to lay down, give up his own life for his friends. You are my friends. If you keep on doing the things which I command you to do, you think, oh, no, i got to keep on doing it. You know what the thing is that God wants you to do? To believe upon the one whom he sent, Jesus. As long as you do that, guess what? You'll never be putting the Pharisee robe on. Well, it would hopefully we're learning. It's a process. I'm not putting that Pharisee robe on that we know that we have the robe of righteousness on. It says, I do not call you servants, slaves any longer, for the servant does not know what the master is doing, working out. But I've called you my friends because I've made you known to you everything that I have heard from my father. I revealed to you everything that I've learned from him. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And I've appointed you. I've planted you. That you might go and bear fruit and keep on bearing and that your fruit may be lasting. That is, remain and abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name is presented in all that I am. He may give it to you. This is what I command you, that you love one another. So God is setting the example for friendship. He's your friend no matter what. If you move to the western slope, if you move no matter out of town, he says, I'm still going to be your friend and I will chase you down. He's always going to be your friend. It's not based upon what you can do, what you are doing. It's based upon what he has done for you and me. And he wants you to know, Rocky Mountain Family Church and those who are watching by internet, he wants you to know that he calls you friend, your friend, you're a friend of God. Man, that just touches my heart to know 
it's kind of been, I felt a little sad because I, I have sought God as my Savior. I've sought God as God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is God, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-everything. He's all of that. He says, yeah, I'm all of that. But I'm also your friend. What's the great thing about having a relationship with a friend? You can tell them anything and they still think good th thoughts about you. They know your weaknesses. They still think good things about you. If you're having a tough time, if you just want to vent, have you ever called up somebody, you know, I called up friends before and just said, are you sitting down? Because I just need to vent. Jesus is there to hear your vent. He's here to hear everything that you want. But he just wants you to know, Rocky Mountain Family Church, that you always are going to have a friend. When you're going through tough times, when you're even doubting him, when things don't go right, when you feel like your prayers aren't getting answered, when your faith just blows up or a tragedy happens and you sit there and go, God, what happened? Where were you? He's not going to kick you out. I was telling somebody yesterday, you know, if you look at the story of Peter, the whole church was praying for him, and he got supernaturally de delivered. The same chapter before that, James, uh, the brother of Jesus, was also in prison, and he died. He died. He was not delivered. I think it was James. It could have been one of the other disciples. But same same time frame. I wonder what those parents thought when they heard Peter was supernaturally delivered, that their son was killed. I wonder what they thought. I don't know. But this is what we have to think. You run to Jesus and say, I don't totally understand that, but I know one thing, that you love me, that you're for me. And I'm never going to let you go. And I'm thankful that you're never going to let me go. Can we just put that in our foundation? When it doesn't make sense, when you don't have the answer, you're still going to look to Jesus. And he will be a friend to you at those times that you don't understand. You know, there's times that I've been to funerals or tragedies. And I just sit there and I don't say a word. And I'm just in their presence. After everything's done, they say, man, Pastor Mike, thank you for everything that you did. Thank you for just being there, just your love. And every, And I just thought, wow, I believe that's what Jesus does with us. We're in our living room, we're in our car, we're everything, and Jesus is just sitting there beside us just to comfort us, just to be there. Just know from this day forward that you have a friend. No matter what you're going through, his name is Jesus. And he wants you to know him as friend. Let's stand. Praise God. Let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you in Jesus' name. These are very trying times. These are difficult times for people. People are having hard, difficult times, Father. But I'm thankful. It's Thanksgiving, and we can be thankful that we have a friend. And our friend knows all things. Our friend is the God of all comfort. Our friend has the inside story. 
He knows everything. And Father, I pray that our family, the church family, not just Rocky Mountain Family Church, but your church around the world, will have a revelation that Jesus is our friend. Savior, yes. Deliverer, yes. Healer, provider, all of those things. The soon coming king, but more than all of those, I pray that our eyes will be open to Jesus as our friend. Thank you in advance for doing that. For our church family, I truly believe it. With all my heart, that our church will know you as friend. That our love for one another will grow in spite of our weaknesses and our faults, our insecurities, our sins, and everything else that can be filled in there, that we would love one another. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. We're going to receive our offering. Stairs. Uh, we're going to receive our offering, ways to give. You can give online. Go to rmfchurch.org. You can uh, have a check or cash. There's two buckets back there. You can drop it off there. Send cash by texting to that number. Amen. You want to say our scripture together? Let's say this out loud together. My Father generously provides all that I need. He is doing exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I ask or think, according to the power that is in me. He surrounds me with favor, inspires me to be a blessing. I am blessed. I truly believe that we're blessed and that you're all going to have a super awesome Thanksgiving. Amen.